Welcome back to the New Age Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, full squad, Martin Theobald, and Ronald Lyle. <laughs> I wondered how normal our introduction I thought. Never. Martin's answered normally. Two out of three, man. Yeah, it's, it's not. Never, but I've got to throw people off my identity, man. A lot of people are, you know, what? starting to do some digging around now, so I will be very careful. <laughs> So you've come on to a widely broadcast... Uh, the widest broadcast podcast. <laughs> Not the widest listen, let's be clear. Just broadcast everywhere. Yeah. Um, welcome. Uh, we'll be going through some reviews and some previews. Of a but- wank weekend in boxing. But <laughs> I was going to say. We will, we, will rescue. we will rescue it somehow. Yeah. Um. Okay, has anyone done anything noteworthy this weekend? No, not at all. Not at all. No, just presentations and presentations and presentations. And a good gym workout for reasons we discussed earlier. <laughs> I'm hoping that this coffee is going to serve me well in uh, bringing me to life because I am currently dosed up on painkillers. So, yeah, his <laughs> bags are fun. Yeah, be, he's hoping Vida doesn't show up right now. Is that yeah. to get rid of the rash? Or? Yeah. And the gunk, mate. <laughs> People throwing up driving their cars. Um, okay, so let's talk about last night, is my guess. Go on, Terry. We've got Warren and Hearn cards. Uh, we're going to go for Frank Warren. Jazza Dickens versus Tom Ward. I reckon we go for... Uh, Terry, you just tell us how you think it went, and then Martin can tell us how it went. <laughs> <laughs> so... So Jazza Dickens loses, and it's a clash of heads. And the world moves on. And it goes to the judges' scorecards, I guess, in the ninth round. Technical decision. Thank you, box wreck. I, I didn't watch any boxing. I want to hold my hands up now. I watched none of the boxing because it was shit. And if you're a real boxing fan, you'd be sat there going, yeah, it was shit. I saw Matt Hamilton try to sell what a great show it was. Do you remember when that, when, when that guy was a bit of a, a steroid truther? And then someone's had a word with him, clearly. <laughs> and he's now off the bandwagon. Of- yeah, yeah. No, 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 now everyone's clean and match him do great shows. Um, you know, no more spreadsheets, no more analysis. Yeah. We, However, we, did you see his, uh, if you're listening, uh, hello, Matt Hamilton. Hi, Matt. We like you really, but come on, man, get back to the steroid buster that you used to be. Just don't give out gambling tips because he gave out what he'd bet on yesterday: Ryan Kelly versus Adam Harper at four to nine, stake five hundred quid. He lost. Kalia five versus Saguru Muranaka, round four, stake fifty quid. Lost. Rodriguez <laughs> <laughs> versus Sam Eggington, round eight at ten to one, stake fifty quid. Lost. <laughs> So you he's know, good. Yeah, don't take gambling tips off Hamilton. Oh wow, they're poor facts. Right, so yeah, uh, Jazza Dickens, Thomas Ward. I think Jazza Dickens was coming on stronger towards the end, uh, but Thomas Ward had got some rounds in the bank when head clash opened up a cut over the eye. Um, and yeah, Thomas Ward goes on, and he's now 
British champion at Super Bantamweight, but you know it wasn't a particularly interesting fight, if I'm honest. Can you define for me um, what a clash of heads is, is rather than somebody getting disqualified for a headbutt? Okay, so it's Southpaw and Orthodox fighters, and they come in, um, and you often see it with Southpaw and Orthodox fighters that when they're both trying to jab or they're both trying to get in close, um, you know, when you've got two Orthodox fighters, they're in opposing stances, whereas Southpaw and Orthodox, when they're against one another... So as they, like, their as body they both lean through, in, Wow. Their heads come together. It's not unusual to see head clashes. Uh, so it wasn't an intentional head, but it's just it was an accidental clash of heads. Um, and yeah, it meant the referee didn't allow the fight to go on. Uh, and that was about it, really. It wasn't a particularly interesting fight by any means. So if you're a Southpaw and you're fighting an Orthodox, try and win the first three rounds and then fly him with a headbutt. Yeah, this, yeah uh... no, that's it. It's definitely <laughs> the way to do he's, it. Oh, he's not going to make it for the rest of the fight. I think that was the Holyfield approach against Tyson, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, so we had Josh Warrington versus Kiko Martinez. Uh, so there were other fights on the card, but because there's one on Sky and one on BT Sport, I was kind of flicking between the two. Um, but I called the main event of this one because I didn't really fancy the Cali Firefly that much, if I'm honest. This, Reasons? Because I don't really care about super flyweights all that much. Um, totally identify with and that. And I didn't know the Japanese Gigi was fighting, so whatever. <laughs> Um, Japanese, it's a Japanese guy. <laughs> um, oh man, Josh Warrington, Kiko Martinez. This is a guy, Kiko Martinez, who has been a career super bantamweight. Let's not forget that, and he's been now kind of pulled up to featherweight. He's been, you know, chewed up and spat out twice by Frampton, once by Quig, uh, and we're expected to take it legitimately, and. The problem was it became a legitimate contest because Josh Warrington just isn't that good. I've said it plenty of times before. You can have all the work rate you want, but if you don't carry any power in those shots, then what What are you anticipating is going to happen? It was just Kiko Martinez walked forward for 12 rounds. Josh Warrington throws probably three times the amount of punches, I'd guess, that Martinez threw. But Martinez just didn't care. It just walked through and walked through and walked through. And what was annoying was Richie Woodall going, yeah, these are all, these are all scoring shots, I'm like, but they're not really having an effect. Yeah. So how are they But they're they landing. But they're landing. That's Richie and Woodall's they were, they were, amateur yeah. uh, And they weren't even landing shining. clean. Look at those bent arm shots. And I'm like, but it's not the radio, mate. I can see his arms bent. Yeah. No, it was... I mean, the, the BT Sport commentary, I thought, was just terrible. And I know the Sky commentary is fairly... Terrible, as standard. But uh, at one point, they were saying, I think it was about the 10th round, and they were saying about the concussive right hand of Kiko Martinez. <laughs> Kiko Martinez ain't had a concussive right hand on him in years. Um, Speaking of which, who is... Sorry, if you got more to... I just wanted to ask, who would be the most successful boxer who's... <laughs> Who's never had a knockout or doesn't have knockout power? I'm not sure you. Is there is there such a thing as a boxer who gets to like 20 fights unbeaten that's never had a knockout? You think get them? Uh, no, uh, no, just because of the way that they they set you up, especially in your early fights. Yeah, you're you're going to stop someone. But what happens as you move up the levels? Everyone has an X factor. So it might be like you fight a Carl Frost who's got a chin of granite until you know until Groves tap that. It might be a guy like Mayweather who's just got, you know, world, I mean, logic-defying defense. It might be you fight someone like a Lomachenko who just doesn't let you breathe. 
So by by that point, the knockouts get harder and harder to achieve. Yeah. So let's not waste too much time on this. But Josh Warrington, he doesn't plant his feet enough. Uh, chat with David McGinley on Twitter was pointing out about the the little skip that he does when he comes back out of range, which is just the whole thing about Josh Warrington says to me: as soon as he fights <laughs> Selby, even a quick, he's gonna get beaten. Because I mean, Martinez almost winded him. I think it was probably the fourth or fifth round. Just this body shot. And Josh Warrington almost stopped, almost paused on the spot and went, ooh, you could see him like, ooh. I thought, imagine that was someone good. Not Kiko Martinez. The only thing with Martinez from the little bits I saw was his feet were slow. Had his feet been slightly quicker, I don't think Warrington would have been able to run the way he did. And he did run. Yeah. I heard a lot of bullshit. Oh, he's boxing well. Off the back foot. It was backwards and going backwards. I was like, no, no, what he's doing is he's running back, getting a breather, running forward. He didn't box once going backwards or on the back foot. Yeah. But look, that's the north for you, isn't it? You get a guy running up hills seven days a week. And to be honest, he's either going to play rugby league or box. It just depends on height. That's it. And that's all Warrington is. Warrington's a guy who's just too small to play rugby league. So he boxes. Great. All right. Enjoy Prism on a Saturday night, mate. Well done. <laughs> okay, so we've also had a Hearn card on. Gamalia fight for Sean Davis. Yeah, uh, Sean Davis, a man who like clearly <clears throat> enjoys getting beaten up. Because I think he went down five times in that fight. Wow. Um, Gamalia fight... He was doing well. I mean, he isn't a man with a lot of stoppages on his record, but I know he's had injuries in the past, but he was really firing in body shots onto Sean Davis. So two undefeated lads with some WBA or WBC trinket on the line. Um, but yeah, Yafai was... It's the best I've ever seen him. I don't really know where it leaves him. I don't know how far he's going to push on. Um, super bantamweight, so you know he could be looking at the likes of um, Jazza Dickens or... You know, Ward that we mentioned earlier, but um Kid Galahad. Kid Galahad, see what's going on with him, no idea. Um but yeah, it wasn't again, it wasn't exactly a meaningful fight and Sean Davis didn't offer enough in return to make it particularly worthwhile. Sam Eggington Sam Eggington fought Well, he fought a question mark according to my notes that you wrote for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember the guy's name when I wrote him. Uh I mentioned it earlier, I still can't remember. European champion EBU champion. Um but, I mean, this is another one where you've got the odds going into it. But something like the geezer who's coming in as a defending champion was 8-1, to one, I think it was, <laughs> in a two-horse race. <laughs> and you're the defending champion. So it just says a lot about what it... I mean, it was a great knockout by Eggington. I don't know if either of you saw it. Um, left the lad, like, hung on the ropes and under the ropes. Um, it was a cracking knockout. It was 8-1 to, to win, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of, um, like, wow, that was brilliant. If only that bloke wasn't terrible. <laughs> no, no, but, but it's embarrassing because Real Madrid could play Oxford United in the Champions League and Oxford United would be about three and a half to one. Yeah? And if, and if there was a red card in the Oxford United team, it would be about four to one. So that, that tells you these bookmakers must just sit and watch these cards and go, this is crap. It's when you see a card and they're like, it's, they haven't even started and it's 50 to one. You're yeah. Like, yeah, um, but what? then because Sam Eggington had overcome this massive eight to one challenge uh, in such resounding form, Barry Hearn comes on afterwards. I don't know if you've seen any of the comments by him. <laughs> Two fucking brilliant ones. One was I want Danny Garcia now for Sam Eggington. 
Uh, and the other one is that Sam Eggington is going to become the welterweight Carl Froch. <laughs> Barry Hearn, you tit. <laughs> He's not going to become the welterweight Carl Froch because Carl Froch didn't set out to become a journeyman. He had plenty of legitimate talent. What Sam Eggington has is a good heart on him, a lot of fight in him, but he doesn't have the skill. Like, Carl Froch still had the skill on him, but you saw what Bradley Skeet did to Sam Eggington. And that's why <laughs> Sam Eggington will not become the world's soon Carl As Frotch. soon as Eggington meets someone young that can box, he'll get embarrassed again. That's the reality of it. He, he, it I want to be upset at Matchroom, but I'm not. I'm upset at the people who watch this fucking drivel. It is drivel because you're, you're being sold a monkey here. It's the same way they tried to sell us Jeff Lacey as a legitimate threat at 168. And all you had to do was watch anything he had done before to realize he was a fraud. Um, this is just a matchroom lab rat. Another one of the matchroom lab rats. And I don't have an issue with it because Eddie has to create people who will sell tickets fine. But boxing fans have to sit there and go, there are a number of people at 147 in this country. I dare Sam Eggington to fight an informant fit Larry Akendale. I dare <laughs> him. And you know that fight will never be made to happen. Why? Because Larry can box. Larry can move and Larry's not really there to be hit and he can hit himself. But let's also not forget Frankie Gavin was on this card. I was trying to forget. <laughs> Fun time fucking Frankie Gavin. The guy who, when he lost to Eggington his last fight, at hundred, it was meant to be 147, but it ended up being 148 and a half or something because Frankie missed the weight. Just Gavin weight. Yeah. And so after that fight, he comes out and says, look, I realise I'm not big enough for 147 pounds. I need to move down in weight. I'm going to aim to be at 140 by September time, I think he said, but I'll have an interim fight at like a, a, a catch weight. Turns out that catch weight was 149 and a half pounds because he missed welterweight again. Again! Like, where is your commitment for fucks? Like, do you know what Frankie Gavin is? You know Frankie? Frankie Gavin is that kid and he was normally called Barry and his mates called him Bazza. And he was that kid, right, who hung around with the older lot who had all left school at 16 and had realised that if you don't have a job and you don't go to school, there's kind of fuck all to do. And then he'd come into class and just act the arsehole continuously. And no one really liked him. But you didn't want to piss him off because he'd go and get his mates. And this was the kid who got all the school trips. If there's anything good going, they gave it to him. Because he was such a screw-up, they thought, if we just shut him up. And Gavin is that same person. So specific. He, he's, he's that same <laughs> he's person. He is. He is that guy that you're like, how many chances are you going to give this guy? Like only- Him and John Ryder literally pay rent in the last chance saloon the only thing i can think they're doing with frankie gavin is that they're holding him for josh kelly that's the only reason i can see that they keep him is that you get josh kelly who looked superb again by the way on saturday night but you keep josh kelly at what six fights maybe and then put him in with frankie gavin and you say look we've got this six fight novice taking on the world amateur champion (laughs) we're still using that world title challenger they'll use all of it wouldn't they like what a great challenge it'll be for josh kelly that early in his career to wipe out someone who frankly doesn't have the discipline but does have the talent and like one without the other is completely pointless as you saw on saturday night was it an eight-round points victory over Reynold Garrido? Reynold Garrido, who's coming up from 140 pounds, who had the weight change twice in the week of the fight. It's disgusting. Like, honestly, they just they need to 
take issue with Frankie Gavin and get rid of him, but they'll only do it, I suspect, once Josh Kelly's walked through him. And this is what annoys fans and people in the sport. Because if you're not a boxing fan and you're hearing this, you're just going, there are no rules to this. Yeah, fight whatever way you want. It's the Wild West, it's disorganised, and it devalues what is essentially one of the greatest sports out there. But, I mean, nutsacks to both of those fuckers, man. I just... Look, I'm going to say this to the audience. There's stuff on this show that I'm going to care about. This isn't it. Uh, You mentioned Calify and uh, the Japanese guy. Calify won against someone we don't really know. He keeps his belt. He fights again next. Unless he's fighting Nair Inoue or uh, Gonzalez, then why does anyone care? And don't try and make it seem like we should care, because we don't. This is like little brother boxing, isn't it? They all, they all just look like someone's little brother. I don't care. But they talk about, like, oh, you know, this lad put up such a great fight. It's like, is it that he put up a great fight? Or is it that, actually, Kalyafai isn't as great as they'd like you to think he is, because he's got a world championship belt? Kalyafai's all right. Um, he's all right. Good technician, good boxer. I just think, at those little guy weights... There isn't much to get excited about, you know. Much like women's boxing. The technique's great and stuff, but I watch boxing to see people go to the well and smash lumps out of it. Are those little weights, though, the people out in the Far East, are far better than what we've got over here. There's just a greater number of them. And so I don't know what number guy he was in Japan, but it certainly wasn't number one. I don't know, maybe he's like number four, number five. And he's taken Kalyafai... Yeah, Kalyafai, by all accounts, I didn't really watch all of it, but he seemed to have dominated it. But that wasn't their best export they could have given us. Give us your best one and watch them smash Kalyafai. Yeah, give us your Sony version. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bill asks, who has the better stable of prospects out of Hearn or Warren? To clarify, we read down a little bit, um, because I was querying what he meant by prospect in this scenario. Prospect defined as, Martin asks, non-title holders, perhaps, for this argument. Uh, Bill then comes back with, yeah, I suppose anything below British title level would classify as a prospect. I don't know. I think there are some good young lads coming through in both um, both camps. I think maybe we'll have a better idea in a year, see where the likes of Josh Kelly go. But it's so hard to define. I mean, we're going to talk about Hara Davis later. What is British level? Because the likes of Hara Davis doesn't seem to be interested. He was put under the board notices to be in a British title eliminator against Joe Hughes. <clears throat> uh, and then tweeted, why would I want to fight Joe Hughes? Uh, what's he to me? And so he's not going down that British title route. So it's really hard, like, in, a, in an era where you've got all these silver, intercontinental, etc., to say who is British level and who's, you know, sidestepping it, who's above it. You just don't know. But I think it's about... So, so my, I'd almost turn the question around and frame it as... Of the Warren and Hearn stables, who could be a legitimate world champion? And I mean, like, to, and my test for legitimate world champion is you have to beat someone respected as a champion. So I look at Kel Brook as being the only legitimate British champion we have because he beat Sean Porter. And he beat Sean Porter when everyone avoided Sean Porter. James DeGale? Um, I'm not sold on the Durrell that he beat for that title, but credit where credit is due. <coughs> Since then, he's kind of put his, you know, he's put the his money draw in his with mouth Jack. Is. Yeah, we'll give him that. Just about. So, so you you look, you look at Matchroom and go, okay, Matchroom stable. O'Hara Davis, he's at that mezzanine level between European and world. I I 
I think you could put O'Hara Davis in against one of the ranked fighters and he'd win. Don't know which one. Maybe someone like Imam. He's quite highly ranked in the WBC. I think Davis could probably give him a hard time. So there's one where you, you can say he's up there. Um, who else has he got? You know, then you then you 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 slide down a level, don't you? And you start to look at guys. You know, well, who who's next? Who's the potential? Yeah. So who who who's who's in that space now, just below Hara Davis, and you struggle on the matchroom stable. But you look at Frank Warren, and he's hoovered up so much talent that you've got guys like Nurse, and whatever people want to say about Nurse, Nurse is legitimately British level. Jack Cattrall, legitimately British Those level. two are fighting for the British. That's a great fight. Yeah. And look, look <clears throat> Cattrall's a guy that was invited to spar Mayweather. Like, they saw him and they said, listen, come spar Floyd. Sparred him so they come back again. So, you know he has something. You don't and, get that invite yeah. without. And he sparred Canelo. So, Cattrall can box. Nurse flatters to deceive. I don't care what anyone says. I, I've wanted to see him take a step forward for years now. Nurse refuses to do that. So you've got those guys. Um, and then you start to look at, you know, who who's there to be excited about. You've got Anthony Yard in the Warren stable. We've both spoke highly of him before. I'll always speak highly of him. And, until I see something otherwise, he, he looks frightening. Um, you know, and who's the corresponding guy at Matchroom? You say Jake Ball. Um, are they at the same level? Not quite yet, like Jake Ball. But, you know, Anthony I just seems to be that one step ahead right now, but he's been in the game a little bit longer. But if you go down the roster, you realise it's all much of a muchness because in those stables, you want young guys who, as Americans say, will be franchise players. And apart from O'Hara Davis, I'm not seeing anyone under 25 who I'm like, you're definitely a franchise player. Um, Craig. FightTalk.net asks Shout out to Fight Talk. Might be the new IFL if you know what I mean <laughs> if they don't get it together. I mean like if Eddie Hearn listens to this man, I think Fight Talk would be just as good a a broadcast partner. Does Warrington challenge the big dogs or is he just a European level gentleman who does the Kaiser Chiefs some justice? <laughs> He's referring to the uh, I predict a riot tune. Fair play to Warren, by the way, um, in that the atmosphere up in Leeds looked like it was a Hearn card. Uh, so it's clearly, you know, Josh Warrington that brings those people in, not necessarily down to the Hearn factor in that. Um, no, Hearn. In a sense of Hearn... Oh, influence. Yeah, where yeah. Warrington was with Hearn before. Right, okay. Uh, it's clearly not just Hearn that was able to breed that, but it had something to do with Warrington himself. Um... <sighs> On that, do you think? Do you think Warren would ever take from Hearn's shows, or do you think he's just too stuck in the mud? Uh, I think they there were certainly influences of a Hearn show on display last night. Um, it, it looked like a football crowd in there, and so you couldn't do anything but I think cater for them whilst they're in there. Um, Warrington, I don't see him as above European level at all. Um, what is this? His 25th, 26th fight or something? He's fighting Kiko Martinez. That's disgraceful. <laughs> and I think they know that about him. They can't take these risks. You know, he fucking gets married to avoid fighting Lee Selby. And I said last week, he's probably divorced now and he'll be looking for another one to avoid fighting him this summer. He's marrying for visas. Yeah, like, honestly, I don't I don't see him at all of being anywhere above European level and I think even that's questionable. Um, he, uh, the boxing madman asks on that, 
Was the Warrington Martinez decision as big a robbery as many think it was? Also, is Josh Taylor ducking O'Hara Davis? Well, let's go for the Warrington Martinez question mm. first. Not a robbery for me. I think uh, I didn't score it personally, but uh, I think I probably, on gut feeling, would have given it to Warrington. Although I'm sure, you know, if you did sit and watch it a little bit closer, you could probably go the other way as well. But it was one of those ones where either fighter kind of deserved to. So I don't think you can call it a robbery as such. Uh, Josh Taylor, is he ducking O'Hara Davis, Terry? No. Um, this is what you call Eddie Hernery. Can I uh, can I add the context and then let oh, Terry okay. go yeah. into why it's an Eddie Hernery? <laughs> so Eddie Hearn puts out on Twitter the email that was sent to Blaine McGuigan, I think it was, um, who's involved in the whole Cyclone Promotions camp. So the email they'd sent was for O'Hara Davis to fight Josh Taylor. Um, both of them highly touted prospects and a fight that I think boxing fans in public want to see. £70,000 was the offer that he put in the email. Um, and he sent the actual email itself onto Twitter. And Shane McGuigan came out and said, you know, publicly on Twitter, that isn't enough money for Davis versus Taylor. So that adds the context. Now we'll let Terry go into it. Well, no, no, there's a bit more context. So if you remember, it kicked off because Shane was like, you haven't sent an offer. And then Eddie was like, well, you clearly haven't been speaking to your family. And Shane pipes up, oh, here comes Eddie again. And then Eddie just dropped the email. I was like, ooh. Rule number one. Do not mess with Eddie Hearn on Twitter because he's had it hard for so long on Twitter. He's one of those kids that, you know, when you get beaten up so often, you just become hard because you, you, from experience. So, so Hearn knew he had the upper hand here. Look, this is classic Eddie Hearnery. Let's go back to his, all his IFL interviews. Josh Taylor versus O'Hara Davis. Huge fight. Could probably headline the O2. We just need to let it marinate. That's what he said. We need to let it marinate for a while. Maybe they have belts or, you know, that's when they have to do it. So Hearn has had no intention of O'Hara Davis fighting Josh Taylor. Now, O'Hara Davis is too close to a WBC title shot. You wouldn't want to risk it against Josh. Josh's class, O'Hara's class as well. You'd want to do this for the right money. 70K is not the right money. So, why would you do it? You want to set, you want to set expectations for the fight O'Hara Davis is going to have on the 1st of July, which will be Robbie Davis Jr. But you can't come out and say, it's pretty much nailed on. So you can't come out and say Robbie Davis Jr. Why? Because no one knows who the hell he is. So you say, we try to get Josh Taylor. He doesn't want this fight with O'Hara Davis. He's running scared. No one wants to fight with O'Hara Davis. We've had to pick Robbie Davis Jr. Now 70K for Robbie Davis Jr. is good money, right? And he'll take that. So that's that's classic Eddie Hernery. He he makes the <clears> fans look at Josh Taylor, make it look like Josh Taylor's ducking, and then you lowball them with Robbie Davis. It's a bit Jr. like when you like winding up the left hand and then just slip the right. <laughs> yeah, like give him something to be distracted by. I uh, so you know sometimes you know you might get that Kovalev jab in the face for trying, <laughs> but but in essence, what you're going to get on July first, and I'm only speculating, is O'Hara Davis versus Robbie Davis Jr. I don't know if they're going to sneak Callum Smith versus DeGale onto that card, but you're going to get something like that. And you're not going to be upset he fights Robbie Davis Jr. because you're going to say, well, Josh Taylor didn't want it. They know O'Hara Davis will make six figures. Josh Taylor will make six figures for that fight. And everyone in the, everyone's in on that. There'll be no surprise when those guys do fight and it's for pretty good money. 
but it's incredible how he's done it, right? I'm big. As much as I like to slate Eddie Hearn, you also have to sit back and go, yeah, well done. Well done, actually. Because £70,000 for Josh Taylor would be a career highest payday. Like, make no mistake about it. He's a Commonwealth champion. He's not getting more than 70k per fight. And so every Hearn arse licker, of which Twitter is seemingly full with them, <clears throat> can sit there and back that up, saying, oh, Josh Taylor's definitely ducking because 70 grand's more than what he's getting for anything else. And it's kind of right, to be fair. Like Josh Taylor hasn't earned more than that for any of his fights. But it's not to say that that's the money that he deserves to fight Ahara Davis. He deserves more than 70 grand. But the problem is, if I was Eddie then, I'd be saying, well, you make me an offer back then. If 70 grand isn't enough, Shane, which you've said publicly it isn't enough money, that's fine. You tell me what you want to pay, and I'll let Ahara Davis go on to your show. Because he knows that Cyclone Promotion don't have the money available, I would suspect, to be making offers of 70 grand for away fighters to come onto their shows it's just not feasible for them to do so plus pay josh taylor more than 70 grand himself you know a six figure figure and that's the problem though. now you've got the hern meat puppets all just happy there going "Ooh, eddie's ooh. done him eddie's done him eddie's got the better of shane but what he snookered him there essentially and like again as much as you know once you start to dig beneath the surface you think you snide little bastard you actually also think fair play fair play <laughs> To take it on a slightly different angle, but it goes down the financial route, Tony Chambers asks, Do you guys have any idea how the venue works on getting the venue? I always assumed that promoter would pay to hire the venue. Uh, for example, Hen would pay to hire Wembley or the O2, Manchester Arena, etc. Um, however, in the past week, all I've heard is how the likes of MGM and Jerry Jones, uh, the Cowboys owner, uh, that's the Dallas Cowboys, presumably, um, have made bids to host Canelo and Triple G. Does it differ to the US uh, than it does in the UK? And then he goes on to say, love the shows and it always helps my morning hangover. <laughs> wait, 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 nice. wait. Does he retweet when we post up the link? <laughs> no, <laughs> Tony, from me, well done, mate, but pin your ears back, mate. Yeah, no, no. If you love, if you say you love the show, you've got to retweet at least three times in the week. You've got to retweet it. <laughs> undo Christ. the retweet on the Wednesday, retweet it again. <laughs> Undo the retweet on the Friday, redo it again. That's the benchmark. Yeah. So don't even dare to say you love the show unless you've done that at least three times. Minimal expectation. Um, thanks for the question. Um, over to you, gents. I think the bidding process uh, is probably slightly misleading in a sense of a bid. Uh, I think it's probably more a project bid, um, but you would still expect to be paid for it. So over here, for instance, you want to hire York Hall on a Saturday night, you're looking, um, you know, the promoter has to pay York Hall, you know, a couple of grand or whatever it is, um, for the privilege of doing so. Eddie Hearn for Wembley paid over a million pounds to hire Wembley for that Joshua Klitschko fight. Um, Do them Wembley have any, are they, is that just them hired or do they get any percentage or anything? Uh, they typically would take the bar takings. Um, they're not going to take any of the pay-per-view or any of that. So um, the venues will take the bar takings, and that'll be about it. Really. So if I remember, oh, which is nothing. It, it, well, no, 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 no. It's it's a bit more complex than that because Wembley. No, it, it's all about your negotiating position. If you're York Hall, you can be replaced. You know, I can do a show at the Camden Centre, no drama. When you want to stage something at Wembley, you kind of only have Wembley, Twickenham, and Old Trafford as your options. 
Old Trafford knows going up north because it's grim. <laughs> you can't <laughs> you, you can't hire Twickenham really because it's a nightmare getting out. Like if you've ever been there for the rugby, it's a nightmare getting well, out. It's of Twickenham. not exactly easy getting out of Wembley, is it? No, Twickenham's worse. There's only a train, really. Like you imagine there are options at Wembley. There are probably three different options. You've got the Bakerloo line, the Jubilee line, and the main line, uh, the, or the overground. At Twickenham, you're just basically all on Southwest trains. And a bunch of beard up football lads at a train station is a recipe for disaster. So Wembley know that when you're having a Joshua fight at Wembley, that's their time because they're still in the hole to for, for the building costs of Wembley anyway. So you'll say to her, right, it's a million pounds to secure the venue. We want a share of the gate because you wouldn't do it otherwise. And I imagine that's what the Americans have done. So the Americans will just have said, look, here's the deal we're offering you, right? We've got 90,000 capacity. We project revenues of $90 million. We want 10% of that, which leaves you with $81 million. That's still bigger than anything you're going to get elsewhere. Win-win scenario. So they'll negotiate based on those percentages. Everyone has to eat off these. Like when there's a seminal fight, everyone eats. You know, the O2 is different. So the O2 is run by AEG. They have hundreds of venues all over the country and all over the world. So what they essentially do is they just go, look, here are our slots. It might be a Nas concert. It might be this, it might be that. It can be anything. And Eddie Hearn has to find slots he can have. So he can't really dictate to the O2 when he goes in because if he doesn't want the slot, the Wu-Tang Clan will come and do a concert. That's how it works. So that one's a bit easier. And I think they'll have a more defined tariff of charges because it you know the O2 is pretty much occupied 80% of the year so when you people are putting in uh, <coughs> quotes uh, sorry bids yeah. quote unquote um it's just like you say it's just almost like a business a business model yeah. of some yeah. sort of yeah. saying so what their charges are what they're going to give back what the package will be okay hello answer the question tony um, Kaiser Tasty. <laughs> Senor Tasty. Hair Tasty. I like the fact that he's changing it. Does like, he even put a flag on the end? And he's a different Lego man. <laughs> um, question for the pod. Who wins the Funtime Frankie Award for Wasted Talent in Boxing? I had to clarify with him, was Frankie Gavin himself allowed to win this? Uh, and yes, he is allowed to win the prestigious award. It's difficult to give it to anyone other than Funtime Frankie, isn't it? Well, give us a top three then. For wasted potential. Uh, Audley. I was, I was just about to Audley's say Audley's got to be in there, yeah, isn't it? Um, We're going to build you like a tank, but give you the mind of a child. Funtime. Scared child. Frankie. Uh, I'm struggling with the third one, top of my head. Give us one, Terry. Terry. Anthony Small. Um, I say to people, people go, who the hell's Anthony Small? Google Anthony Small, watch Anthony Small box, and then realise this guy got arrested for trying to join ISIS. I don't think anything beats that. <laughs> That's gold medal material, wow. that. <laughs> and, and, no, no, and just to reinforce how special Anthony Small was in the ring, he came down to our club about a year and a half ago with a broken ankle, so he had the plastic boot on. And he's like, I haven't really come to train, I've just come to spa. The guy gets in the ring with a boot on. This is this is not a fabrication. And is limping around the ring. 
and no one can really land a shot on him. And these are guys who went on to do well in the ABAs in the Harringay Box Cup. Couldn't land a shot on him. Watching that was just like, wow. <clears throat> what would he have been if he had just focused and dedicated himself to boxing from day one? Because I've been in the ring with him. I know what it's like. I, I've never been hit with five hooks in a row before. And I only saw two of them. You know, he's just, he was just, look, if you've got time, Google Anthony Smalley, you'll understand what I mean. But what would Frankie Gavin have been without the dominoes and the arrest for chucking chairs at people on holiday parks? It's, he, he would have been it's a unknown. Light, he would have been a light-fisted, he would have just been a poorly man in Edgy, except not as good. <laughs> Boxing Kingdom. What? No, not the real one. Not the sorry. real one. This is uh, Jason Squire's equivalent. Okay, thank that- God. Well, so it's the authentic one, but not the real one. Hey, it's Boxing Kingdom, I suppose, technically, because it looks like they've uh, misspelled it intentionally. But anyway, rumours Eddie Hearn is lining up Frankie Gavin for a shot with Anthony Joshua if he can bring his weight down to a reasonable level by October. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Frankie Gavin. He gets it so bad. (laughs) So bad. Bless him. But you know, the sad thing about it is this is a week where Billy the Bomb Long has to retire because he can't get the breaks that will help him, you know, make a career in boxing. And there's a guy who shows up on weight and does all the things he has to do. He was meant to be fighting on Saturday, wasn't he? This Saturday coming. Yeah. And he was just like, nah, packing it in. And you've got guys like Frankie Gavin who are given all the chances in the world and piss it up the wall. That's the sad part about boxing because I don't know how good Billy Long would have been, but he was a guy who was prepared to give it a go and who was prepared to dedicate himself. So... I mean, like I said, when people look at boxers from the outside, man, it doesn't make any sense. It always annoys me that you've got all these small little lads that are working Monday to Friday, you know, not even nine till five. Most of them, you know, they're working out on the, the scaffolding and things, probably working eight till six. And then they're going off to train after that, and they probably have to go out and run in the morning. And yet they can meet championship weight when they're required and they can meet them when they're not required as well. And I know a lot of small hall fights don't take place at like welterweight or middleweight. There'll be a few pounds here and there. But when they need to get there for the championship weights, they dedicate themselves to doing so. Yet Frankie Gavin can't. And that's what pisses me off. You know, a full-time professional who should be a model athlete. And he just, you know, he's not there. And yeah, that's enough of him. There's sports littered with stories like that of people that just don't make their potential because it's Seems to be a bit too easy for them. I, I, that's what it must be. I don't know, but hair tasty, um, senor tasty, Kaiser tasty, whatever his name Mr. is this tasty. week. Mr. Tasty, Monsieur Tasty. Um, his second question: Are Coogan and Eddie the new Ross and Rachel? <laughs> I'm not a huge Friends fan, but I appreciate the reference. Uh, Ross and Rachel breaking up, getting back together. Um, and we've seen Eddie and Coogan sat down and did a full interview. Did you watch it, Terry? Full hour. I I basically watched Eddie Hearn remind Coogan Cassius yep. who's boss. And I think it's Eddie's <clears throat> privileged background where he did it in such a way that he, it, it was weird, wasn't it? It was a weird deal. I'm going to give you some golden content, Coogan, but it's going to be me berating you. <laughs> because I can't see how Coogan comes out of that a winner. You know, Coogs. You're emotional. You get emotional a lot of the time. You You're know? not corporate. Yeah, you know, I thought I'd let you have your sulk. And I was thinking to myself, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, it, was, it was humiliating, but on Hearn's part, it's another great chess move because Eddie Hearn comes out of this smelling of roses again. 
I think what Coogan needs to remember is where his place is in this. And like Eddie gave us a few little reminders about it during the whole interview <laughs> where he was saying about the cost matchroom have had for IFL, which were like 40 grand or something over the last year for their expenses, their travel here and there. And he kept reminding Coogan, you know, when you want to get somewhere, then get back on the same day. But we're staying, we'll arrange for you to get there and back at our expense, blah, blah, blah. He was explaining these things. And then you've got Coogan, basically, you know, what it comes down to is that the day before the biggest event Eddie Hearn has ever put on, the day before the biggest British boxing event of the last 30, 40 years, whatever you want to call it, and Coogan Cassius is throwing his toys out the pram <laughs> and trying to get Eddie to sort it out for him because he's not allowed into it. Now, Eddie must have had... I'm not exactly an Eddie Hearn sympathiser, but this week it turns out I'm becoming one. Eddie must have had 5,001 things on his plate on that Friday night. And Coogan wants to be the number one. Coogan's like, get me in, get me in. And Eddie was saying, look, leave me to it and I'll see if I can sweet talk. And then if I can't, if I'm you, Coogan, what I would have done is like just tried to get my way in there, blag my way in there, talk to security, you know, nick a seat somewhere. One thing, one thing, one of the moments I did enjoy was he was like, you know, read your little rant, Cougs. And then sat down for dinner with Bert Bonte. I think by that point he had read he had read it too. Yeah. And he was like, there was no coming back from this. It's when he said Bert sat over dinner and he said he read out the te- the tweet that you'd sent and he then put on like this German accent or whatever. It was just brilliant. Like Bernd Bonte is a fucking dwarf who can suck my cock. <laughs> Imagine that scene the night before Joshua Klitsch. What, what were they eating? What were they eating? What, what was it crab? What was it? What was it? What was it like? No grilled lobster. Eddie said. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Imagine the scene of these two have put on the biggest show in however long and there's sat debating some tweet where he's called him a fucking dwarf who can suck his cock. <laughs> yeah, nice one, Coogan. Uh but yeah, no, I just you know, I think it put Coogan in his place and it's a timely reminder for him. There are others out there that could do your job. And it's a reminder for all of those guys who put content out there in the world, man. Like You've got to know your place. And, and I'm going to choose my words carefully. A lot of these guys are outsiders. And what I mean by that is there's no one in the sport that can vouch for you. And the problem that creates is this. You have your use, but you will never be allowed to grow bigger than the others will let you. Eventually, you'll get bumped out the way for someone who is from that world. Because that's what happens. Like I get it all the time. If I want to go and see someone in a gym, I'll talk to the coach and he'll go, where are you from? And I say, yeah, yeah, came up under Mick Carney at Fitzroy Lodge. And I get the head nod. And and it just for them, it's like, he's one of us. He understands the rules. He understands the conventions. Whatever he does in here, we know is from the right place. Whereas I've seen, I've seen and I've heard like, you know, where people talk about the outsiders and like, nah, we'll fuck him off. You know, we'll let him get big enough. Then we'll just take what they have. And that's, and that's why you've got to be careful if you don't have that, that patronage behind you and as long as Coogan's got Eddie Hearn he has that patronage behind him once he decides to dispense with Coogan God help him one of the interesting things I thought as well is when they're talking about um, Hearn had arranged for Coogan to get the interview with Joshua the day after he said you know I've got all the American networks I've got the BBC they all want to do it but Coogan I've got the door to be open for you like literally the door to be open for you for you to come around the day after an interview Anthony Joshua in his flat 
and Coogan was going to the uh, the Arsenal game, I think, and he'd already arranged it. I, I, so, so I'm going to be controversial and say, I don't believe that's true. I am completely in agreement so, with you. So I I had a conversation with someone in Team Joshua. Um, like I told you, when you're in the sport, you can get certain doors open to you. And we, it was a brief chat. Um, it's really a a hi, how are you? Let's stay in touch sort of chat. But one of the things I did ask was Eddie Hearn, AJ, what's the relationship? And this is the line that was given to me. Anthony Joshua is an asset of Anthony Joshua. You know what I mean? So the whole promotion, the whole marketing, Joshua, the physical being is an asset of Anthony Joshua, the corporate entity. Matchroom are a third party service provider. So they have a very defined role. You get the opponents. We'll tell you who and what we want. You go and source that. You organize the event. That's about it. The logistics of the event, happy to leave up to you. So Eddie doesn't determine who Joshua interviews with. Team AJ did. Whether, you know, and we need to remember that because sometimes Eddie will tell the fans what they want to hear, but the truth is Team AJ determined who Anthony Joshua does interviews with. Well, it works in uh, Hearn's interest to make it look like he's in total control. And it also works with the impression that Anthony Joshua wants to put out there. Um, he's a quiet, you know, relaxed, easygoing guy. With But if he wants to be this billionaire box that he talks about, it makes perfect sense for him to essentially have this infrastructure behind him ready to step up when he finally exits the contract of Eddie Hearn, yeah, isn't it really? Well, 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 I think, the, so the aim is to bring Team AJ up to a level of corporate maturity because they're all quite young guys. Remember, these are young guys who, some have worked in account management in the sports sector, PR in the sports sector, but what they haven't done is they haven't been fully accountable for an end-to-end corporate entity. And so they're learning. And when they get to a reasonable level of maturity, they'll flick the switch over into a Team AJ slash Wasserman entity and Matchroom will become even more of a clearly defined third-party service provider, if anything. Is there any um, risk that should Anthony Joshua go um, solo that the wheels come off? I think is that the, purely dependent on whether he loses or not? The biggest risk is his career in terms of like he needs to keep winning. So expect him to try and push for a couple of easy fights. You'd suspect after what he's had. Um, but I think what Terry says really, you know, you've got a lot of you need to bring in some experience, and I'm sure they probably would. The likes of Wasserman, but from what I'm led to understand, Wasserman aren't that involved. It's a different management PR company. Uh, from a conversation with someone a while back. Might be wrong. Uh, I know the Wassermans are close to Sims. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he just needs to make sure that he needs to be as uninvolved personally as possible, but have his team that he keeps on a leash sorting it all out for him. That's what he needs to do. That he makes speeches for, really shocking speeches. (laughs) There's There's no I without you. What I want to say is that you comes to the to the eye in the in the unit with the <laughs> with the eye and the and then this camera spans round and doughy eyed fucking Eddie Hearn staring at him in amazement as he's going and then the eye so comes into the to the U <laughs> <laughs> POV facial <laughs> 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 
so painful to watch. I'm sorry, Zip. but I just looked at it for. Oh, you, you. I mean, how can anyone have? How can anyone give Tyson Fury shit for some of the stupidity he comes out with, like when he when he does? But how can they give him shit for it when they hear that ball? Yep. But Tyson Fury's videos recently have just been awesome. Who knew Tyson Fury could rap? <laughs> he did it before the Klitschko fight. Oh. We all have known. <laughs> In a hotel room. Oh God, that's did that Joshua. What was it? What, what was it? Um, it was a link. He put, it was his own tweet that he put out, wasn't it? It's embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. Corporate mother. Okay, another question. What's that? If you had to choose between a Sky Card, this is a bit of an odd question, but if you, in fact it's a very odd question, um, who's it from actually? I don't have a name. Uh, so whilst Martin hunts the name out, I will read. Question for the pod: If you had to choose between the Sky Card and the BT Card, <laughs> the one you don't choose, every fighter dies, excluding Kelly and Nurse. What sandwich would you go and make? Um, First of all, please don't smoke crack and listen to the podcast at the same time. (laughs) So next time you want to, you know, do some PCP, James, try not to text (laughs) the pod. (laughs) I'm partial, Joe, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm partial to a Coronation Chicken Panini. Um, (laughs) It's a a weird one, but the, the kind of sweet and tangy works really well. That, that has the uh, that has like raisins in it. Doesn't it's, it? Wow, nah, it's wrong. It's oh, wrong. wrong yeah. That is. You need you, you need something like that in a panini. It, no, it, it, no. <laughs> it's like pineapple on pizza. Wrong. Wrong. Agreed. That is wrong. But it's normally on pork, so I don't eat pork. Ugh. Yuck. Oh, right. Terry Damn, X. Yeah. <laughs> um. Right. <laughs> we need to. I don't know how we address this question, but if you had to choose. Oh. Tell me, address the question. He told you what he's going to make. Right, it's fine. all good. There you go, James. Go and smoke some more crack. Another question for the pod from James. Where does Isaac Lowe rank in the illiterate pound for pound rankings? Some boxers on Twitter are thick as fuck. Yeah, no, I think um, this is a hard. I interviewed Isaac Lowe not that long back. Uh, and this is a tweet in question that I suspect James is referring to. I've just put it up on my phone. I'll read it out as it's written. So. You know when you see on a uh, on a website when it's got a quote from somebody that they've said or like written something and they just put SIC on the end yeah. to indicate... <laughs> Intentional mistake. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Don't owl. I never got the full stop. Rematch. Don't full stop. I what I got to do, but never mind that shot bag. All I what is the bast. Just give me that big fights. <laughs> Right, so... You said it, pal! I'd run it through Martin translation. Um, <laughs> look, Isaac Lowe is a lad. He's Tyson Fury's cousin. Um, this is a serious point, I suppose, around um, where should boxers, you know, handle their own social media or get somebody else to do it. Because, actually, it must be quite difficult. Isaac Lowe doesn't have a promoter as such, I don't think. Uh, might be wrong, but he fought Dennis Kalen overseas when uh, the fight was stopped early from a cut uh, and it was just declared a no contest I think and Isaac Lowe's been pissed off about it ever since wants the opportunity to go back and, and put that right and hasn't been given it and now Kalen signed off for another fight so Isaac Lowe was just venting but you know he was venting in very broken English um, I-, I tell you what surprises me I'm surprised it isn't a business that just manages boxers tweets yeah 
Like that can't. There must be. There must be someone. All these PR. <laughs> no, even that. Like a James Lupton. Like, he must have time on his hands. I don't know him that well, but he always seems to be somewhere doing something. There's time. He has time on his hands, and he could do that. You know, someone who's active on social media. Just take these accounts over because a lot of them, apart from Tyson Fury's, aren't that entertaining. The, the problem is you've got. I mean, as I was saying, Isaac Lowe is from a, a traveler background. It's a fairly common theme, and that sounds, you know, slightly harsh, maybe whatever. But um, it's not. Most boxers, as a whole, don't have uh, coherent and literate. Um, well, it hasn't tweets. been. It hasn't been it's, their focus of their life. It's has not it? their strong suit. Is no. it? it's, uh, so yeah. I mean, why, frankly, I can I can box about as well as he can do tweets. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's that way. so yeah, it's a bit of a difficult. one. I do feel for these people that aren't brought up, you know, to have English language. Well, I mean, it's also a. PR exercise, like as it happens, I happened to see a um, a clip on the TV the other day uh, for Adele. She was talking on some talk show. She said that now, if she wants to tweet, it goes through two people before it's then signed off by somebody else, and then she, she tweets. She probably it. just wants to pick her phone up and go <laughs> fuck <laughs> off. Which is like what I used to do was just like write stuff, especially when I was drunk, and she'd just like write stuff, and then it would just cause mayhem. So to keep that Adele brand, if you like, she has to then. But you know, it's the PR machine. I'd still it? rather see that from Isaac Lowe than I would any Anthony Joshua tweet. Yeah. Always. Because <laughs> you know Anthony Joshua has gone through four people before it's allowed to be played. And is, even then. That is one thing I liked about that video, though, because I thought nobody has the bollocks <laughs> to tell him what the fuck was that all about. Because at one point, almost you see his exasperation himself, like, I don't seem to be able to get out what I'm trying to say. Then he looks around the room and everyone's looking at him going, wow, this, this is, is great, gold. AJ. This is absolutely- <laughs> This is gold. I'm going to repeat this to my kids. Right, sit down. I've got some uh, noise. Yeah, when Martin Luther King made that speech, (laughs) Anthony. This is... Oh. You know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Well, when you take a U and you go with the I and then there's a unit. (laughs) Dad, what are you on about? Just sit the fuck down and listen, right? There's a unit, right? Something about a unit. What did he say? Something about a U and a unit. You know Um, what? He's trying too hard. And this is something... The, the good Dr. Sam Khan alluded to. He's trying too hard to be Muhammad Ali, not realising, actually, in his time, Muhammad Ali was not that well-liked. Hmm. And people paid to see him get beaten up, much like Floyd attracted viewers just because they wanted to see him lose. It was only after he retired and when people could look back on what Muhammad Ali did that he became great. Like, in the 60s and 70s, he was despised, man. He was getting death threats left, right, and centre. Well, you've also got to remember how much importance, retrospectively, he had when you look at the civil rights movement in America. That gave such prominence to the things that he was doing, um, which, as a great thing in our society, but Andy Joshua's not going to have the same level of impact because he doesn't have that social movement to to swim against. Well, he won't take a risk. In his life, he was well, there's, take a risk. well, there's definitely that as well, yeah. Um, okay, back on to boxy things. Um, Damien Taylor asks, "Have we already seen the best of Kell Brook, or is he not? Has he another <clears throat> level to go?" I feel we're going to see the best of Kell Brook next weekend. I think he's. Um, I don't think we saw the best of Kell Brook necessarily against Golovkin because that was a all or nothing, shoot your load in three rounds kind of fight for him. Um, and I don't think we've necessarily seen it against Sean Porter because he had to box a very, very strict game plan in that fight. I know Terry's seen a lot more of Kel kind of behind closed doors than I ever have. 
Um, I just think there's going to be an awful lot that he can offer when he's fighting at the right weight. And I think Errol Spence will be the right opponent. And I think we're going to see something that we haven't seen out of Kel before. But, uh, you know, I'll throw it to Terry on that. I think what we're going to see is a fight between two intelligent boxers. And I don't think Kel Brook has really had that. The Gavin fight was meant to be that. But Errol Spence is like Frankie Gavin on steroids. And that's not a play on words. And that's not, you know, I know there are allegations and stuff floating around. But I'm saying he's just levels above Frankie Gavin, but brings that sort of skill element as well. Along with that 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 horrible body punching. And he'll give Kel a lot of problems that Kel will have to overcome. And I think Kel will have to go back into his toolbox and rediscover tricks and tactics he probably hasn't used in a while because he's boxed well within himself. Let's be absolutely clear. He wasn't getting out boxed by Golovka when he got stopped. He just got battered by a man who's a lot bigger than he is. That That's essentially what happened in that fight. So we'll see... I'd like to see Cal bring out all the tools, all the things he's learnt at the St. Thomas's Club and all those sorts of things. And if he does that, I think it'll be it'll be a win and we'll wonder why it was so easy. And then I don't want to hear anyone else talk about he needs to fight Amir Khan after Errol Spence. It is just Keith Thurman and then leave 147. Is there a risk with... Uh, I know we're going to talk about him more next week than this week. Well, that but... he goes off to Tenerife. <laughs> Is it like his career trajectory? If you look at it, it was fairly um, not steep by any means, but it was kind of uphill when he reached Sean Porter fight, and then it's just dived and it's gone down, and then he fought Golovkin as his kind of you know a high peak, but he lost, and now he's coming on to this fight. But has he lost some of that momentum that he had earlier in his career? Whereas you could make the opposite argument uh, for Errol Spence that his opponents have gradually been increasing in terms of their difficulty. But, but I'm going to ask you a question: Who's Spence's best opponent? Uh, Algieri. What do you think Brook would do to Algieri? No, I'm not saying <laughs> this isn't yeah. my point. That yeah. Kel Brook can beat Algieri. Yeah. My point is that the the level of opposition has been increasing. Agreed. Whereas with Brook, it increased and then it decreased to such a horrible level that people lost interest. Agreed, and and I agree with the point of the interest. But in terms of Spence, Spence is going from essentially <laughs> Algieri to it's like going from from a six year old white belt in karate to that old sensei guy. You know, obviously not the one that did the MMA thing in China, who got absolutely blitzed. Yeah, but, oh, but what's, but what's Brook doing? He's going from like Bizier to Spence, which could arguably. Well, Golovkin. Yeah, but the, he got beaten and beaten but psycho- up. But psychologically, he took a lot of those. That left hook he took in the was it the first round he took that left mm. hook. He 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 might like for me like if I took a shot like that, I'm not scared of anything Errol Spence has because I'm like, all right, you know. You're going to have to take something coming back from me, though. And I think that's the big question in this fight. What will Errol Spence do when he has to go backwards? We haven't seen him have to go backwards yet. He's been able to stalk all of his opponents. You can't do that with Brooke. You can't bully Brooke physically. This is a, this is a nightmare scenario for Errol Spence. I'm trying to work out if Errol Spence was trained by Derek James. Is he Derek James or is Derek James the Charlo's trainer? I always forget. But essentially you know they're all from texas and you hear stuff about sparring i know dave mcginley alludes to this that oh, he's been sparring guys in america none of the guys he sparred would beat brook in a fight i'm more even going to entertain an argument to the contrary of that none of the guys he has sparred will beat kel brook in a fight 
What I found interesting, almost perplexing, about that Brook-Glovkin fight is that somehow they managed... What came out from that fight was, fucking hell, Brook's all right, and he stood up to Glovkin, albeit that he lost. But then Glovkin almost came across as... Well, he's not unstoppable then. Like he's not he's not this like superpower. Yeah, like yeah, if that's what it felt like, and you'd have thought that both of those points fed off the other points. So I don't know. But um moving on. This weekend we're gonna be at the Copbox Arena. Um, well, two two out of three at the moment. Two, this weekend, two out of three yeah, are gonna be at the We'll meet up for a drink. Well they will, yeah. <laughs> If anyone sees double A walking around, let me know because then I'll be really, really interested. Um, so yeah, we need to think up some sort of uh, hashtag so we can get. Oh no, fact, hashtag grass. <laughs> oh, not sandy sailing. Is he going <laughs> to hashtag cut the grass? <laughs> hashtag, hashtag cut the grass. <laughs> um, do you want a Davis, Liam? What? <laughs> uh, Javonna Davis, Liam Walsh. Come on, preview us, guys. Yeah, well, you can go for a piss now, Andy. Yeah. Uh, we'll Seamless. Carry we'll carry on in your absence. <laughs> Terry, Javonna Davis, Liam Walsh. Who are you picking and why? Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah he's gone now. Um, we don't really care about Gravante Davis. Don't really care about all of this. Let's see what he's been writing. He, he's, I think he's been writing song lyrics here. What we care about is what Andy's been doing at the weekend. which um, by all And accounts, he's got all the little keys here. So it goes, baby, you're mine. mine. Baby, oh. I love you. You. I will. Oh, it's back. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take the phone before I... He came back for his phone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we didn't even realise that was even open. Fuck. Unlocked as well. Shit. Fuck, how quick did he get in? Did you see that? Yeah, that was that was the military days coming, but that that was the equivalent. We were like Bin Laden and he was uh, <laughs> SEAL okay. Team 6. Yeah. Like SEAL Team 1. Wait, we, we still recorded this. <laughs> uh, um, look, Gronte Davis. He's going to smash him. Won the title spectacularly. Hits hard skillful I mean like people forget like because he look out for this when he boxes he has such a wide stance that he's able to get in and out of range without moving his feet so that means that he can make you overcommit, and then you've just got that southpaw right hook he looks like he's a right handed southpaw as well so Walsh is in for a hard time is Walsh a southpaw I'm trying to remember can't remember he probably he might be there's too many Walshes around yeah so he might be, and if he is, he's in for a hard time because most southpaws struggle against other southpaws. But coming out of that Mayweather system, it's all about angles. And so I think Gravante Davis will be comfortable. Um, I is think it, over in six is my uh, my guess. Maybe four. Over in four, Mayweather comes in. I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a celebration, you know. You know, he, he might call out some British fight. He might say, we want Frampton. I don't know. He's not going to go home a villain out of this, I suspect. He'll no. get a, a good enough reception at the Copper. And, and and it's a good Mayweather masthead into the UK. Yep. You know, if, if this does good numbers and Floyd does good in terms of promoting the event, his fighter and himself, this is the Mayweather masthead into the UK that he's wanted. And you can expect to see someone like a junior Saba being signed by Floyd again to fight in the UK because that would be a really good story. 
Um, so just wait on. So Junior Saba is a kid who was trained by Tunde Ajayi, probably the best of the Tunde Ajayi trained fighters, and that includes Anthony Yard. I think most people would admit that the most talented. Find him on YouTube if you don't believe me. He has some hard times, brain scans, issues, whatever. But he's slowly coming back and he's still a young kid. He's the same age as Jack Bateson, so 21, 22. Um, those two were rivals when they were kids in the amateurs. And the kid is good. And I think he could probably box at 130 pounds as well. So don't rule out a fight between him and Tank somewhere down the line. Because I know those two are quite close and they've known each other for a while. But that will be an interesting one. Aaron Morgan versus Joe Pickford. No, it's just really a little um, a touch on the undercard. It is, to me, I like the undercard. A message from listener Simon King the other day said he thought it was a bit shitty. Um, I think it's all right. You've got uh, the other Walsh Ryan versus Marco McCulloch for the British title. Um, you've got Anthony Yardo versus Chris Hobbs. It'll be the first uh, the first kind of live opponent for Anthony Yardo, if you well, like. Is that a good stand of opponent for him to face? Will we see him tested? Yeah. No, I, I don't know if we'll see him tested necessarily. I've seen Chris Hobbs. He's not, he's not good enough to take it into a real test, in my view. I like Chris Hobbs. Good, honest, professional. I think he'll get beaten. But... You know, it's a Southern Area title. Great to see fighters go down that route. Um, there are a few other nice little fights on the undercard. I can't remember the top of my head what they are. Um, Aaron Morgan, Joe Pigford, two undefeated Marksman. fighters. Marksman, Aaron Morgan. That's a great fight for an undercard. Great fight. Is that 154, 160? 154. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Next Saturday, give us a shout if you're down there. Hey, listen, anyone got any decent tickets, man? Like, come on, you know? Just someone where I'm not, I'm not, not, not with the rats. <laughs> you're with us every Sunday <laughs> you know otherwise I'm just going to protest it man. I'm going to I'm going to just I'm going to get sued by Andy Ailing I, I don't care that's that's my aim now just get sued by him sue no, me I haven't said anything but sue me you owe me 200 pounds sue you me can for do that it these days pretty easy um, you know Tony Yoko Tony Yoko what am I talking about um, debut has been set <clears throat> June 2nd a Friday interesting in France uh, undefeated is it American geezer I've never heard of him but he's got like 12 wins 8 knockouts I thought it was Lucas Brown yeah it's a great opponent uh, you know American heavyweight 12 wins no. 8 knockouts bring him over for Yoko if Yoko does a number on him uh, we're on a very tight time scale by the way uh, yeah, I appreciate that yeah. so, so we're, uh, yeah. we're just running through some points Yoko class looks the part heard me say it so many times let's hope he is the part as a professional um, I'm looking forward to it because Canal Plus, as they like to say in France, have put a lot of money into it. So Yoko will be on kind of Joshua and Sky kind of money. It'll be that similar relationship, except masterminded by Richard Schaefer, which is definitely an upgrade on a Hearn. So I'm just excited by that one. I think Yoko, if he masters English, is a far better ambassador for the sport than Joshua will be. I don't think you'll be seeing any pithy speeches from... Tony Yoko. Well, he's never sure. sold drugs, to the best of my knowledge. Fact. Can't sue me for that. Had to get the boots, Eddie. Had to get the boots, Rob. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Singh leaves Warren. Yeah, interesting one. Virginia Singh, who Frank Warren only, what, six months, eight months, nine months ago, was talking about being so huge out in India, they were going to break the Indian market with this guy. He's already made superstar out in India, to be fair. Uh, I just think it didn't really suit either side in the end when they started to play it out. Um, you know, Vijendra Singh was ending up on undercards in the UK. They put him on over in India. 
lots of people turn up, but how does that benefit Frank Warren? It didn't particularly. So all the fanfare that we had when he kind of turned over and was given this Frank Warren deal seems to have gone quickly. <laughs> World Series of Boxing. Super middleweight. Super middleweight and cruiserweight are the two weight categories. Uh, they've announced that anyone who's in the top 15 of any of the governing bodies is uh, able to apply to take part in this and they have to register their interest. <laughs> so that's the end of that then? Yeah. So <laughs> given this thing's meant to start in September, they're now taking applications. Like we're in May. These fighters that are in the top 15 will have their careers laid out September by now. They're not going to start applying for something they're not going to find out about until June. Uh, this is just an what am I doing in September I don't know we haven't thought that far yeah, this is just an absolute <laughs> facade this is going to end up horrible but you know let's keep an open ear on it Paul Smith world title <laughs> show and that's that um, uh, how long have we got six minutes it only takes 30 seconds to say right, what Paul the Smith, fuck. Let's, let's just quickly run this down WBA had him ranked at number 20 at super middleweight last month this month he's now number five, despite having not had a fight in the in the same time. So Apparently, fifteen boxers got knocked out when they applied yeah. to join the World Super Series of Boxing. <laughs> fifteen boxers have done worse than Paul Smith, who hasn't fought in the last month, and he's now jumped above Arthur Abraham, who's beaten him twice since. But he hasn't won a fight at super middleweight for three years. It, the only times he's met the weight were for the losses to Arthur Abraham. And yet he's somehow ranked number five in the WBA. And he's got himself a world title shot. Granted, it's the bullshit world title. It's the regular title against Tyrone Zug. Um, but isn't, if, that, isn't that the super belt? No, no. Super belt is Gross Tunov. Okay. Um, so I've contacted uh, Gilberto Mendoza, who's the head of the WBA. And he said they will be open to doing an interview on the podcast with us. So hopefully we can get some answers from him. Because um, I'd love to know, how does anyone justify Paul Smith, a man who hasn't won a super middleweight fight in three, four years? You fucking grass. You <laughs> <laughs> looked me in the Where? eye when you said that as well. Where the fuck do you get off? <laughs> <laughs> does anyone care? Does that... <laughs> that grass in Cunfair Bowl, he's fucking done it again. Oi, Frankie, I've got something to tell you. Listen to this gun. He just can't fucking keep himself quiet. <laughs> Loose lips for you, Bold. I want to give a shout out. I want to take I a want... Terry style shout out. Oh, go on. Oh. My gloves from A1 Fight Gear. Oh, for fuck's sake. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> They've said, Boo. you know what? I self inflicted, hurt my uh, one of my knuckles on my left hand. Doesn't happen in ammo gloves. No damage uh, at all. I was wearing no gloves at the time. <laughs> That's what A1 uh, do to you. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I've uh, been using these. I sent through some gloves, just some uh, prototype ones they're playing about with. And uh, they've been really nice. They've protected that knuckle when I've been hitting the bags. I'm hoping to get some sparring in this week and try out the lace-up ones. But A1 Fight Gear gloves are nice. Um, yeah, that's it. You know, we can have more than one pair of gloves in this world. The ammo ones, I'm sure, are nice. But they haven't sent, they're me, amazing. Anything. They haven't they're sent amazing. me anything to test. So how can I say? They're incredible. And value for money. They're incredible. Wow. Like, ammo. Ammo, 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 ammo. Another yeah. fact. Um, <laughs> I love the fact we have literally no sponsors, and yet we've already the only two we've managed to remotely come close to are happen to be rival glove brands. I mean, what the fuck well, is I'd going like to on? Nescafe on board earlier in the week. Yeah, I liked the effort. They're actually. having none of it. <laughs> yeah. Smoothest coffee out there. 
Yeah, and smoothly palmed us off with thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like, essentially, yeah. fuck you. Well, fuck off, Nescafe. Um, We're going to switch. Anyone... Yeah, is your stuff fair trade? We don't believe it is. Uh, Killing kids, huh? Sue me. <laughs> <laughs> Why won't people sponsor us? Wait, we reach out and within three days we've accused one of them of killing Nescafe, now with 90% less child. <laughs> um, <laughs> does anyone care nice. about Khan? Amir Khan? Does anyone no. care about... No, no, I, no. Skype, I, do, you know, do you know? I tell you, what, Amir Khan. We're going back to school. Amir Khan was that kid at school that used to joyride, right? And then when he was sixteen, he'd probably drive him to school for his GCSEs brackets. I think I did that. Close brackets. And then he leaves school, and he hangs around with the older kids. And he gets to twenty-five, and he's hanging around with kids this, that that age as well. So he's still... he hanging around with Barry, who you mentioned earlier. Um, Barry's in jail, but essentially, <laughs> that's who Khan is. Khan's that guy that was cool. And then the world just seemed to move past him. And he's still playing that same shtick, but we're all a bit older and wiser He's now. hanging about at the shops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rusty XR3i. Still got a, still got a tracksuit on at 42. You know what I mean? <laughs> got the Adidas Firebird tracksuit. <laughs> the poppers. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's a sad case. We all need to talk about him and fuck him. He launched his Asian boxing series or whatever, isn't he? Like, again, it's so under the radar. I don't Vagenda's in there. Is he? No, I don't, I don't know. know. He might, but I don't care. I don't give a fuck. Right, I see it. No, James Tony. Oh, James Tony fought world champion again. World champion, the WBF champion. It's, it's important. These belts, these belts, you know, they mean everything. You know, I mean, like, I'm sure he could take that to a small hall show. Anyone want it with James Tony? But look, just watch the video to see an old master at work. The way he knocks him out, where he slips inside a jab. Finds an angle to step to his right while throwing a left hook with no real backswing and just drops the guy. And it forces you to revisit James Tony and go, is he one of the 10 greatest boxers to ever do it? Because there's no way on earth that guy's a heavyweight. And he's been hanging with heavyweights for over a decade. Uh, I just Sorry to hang this on. I know we're, we're ready to go, but... Having rewatched the Klitschko Joshua fight, there was a few punches that Klitschko threw that then he came back with backhands. What's the rulings with backhands? Like- so, so it wouldn't. So it's not a backhand. What it is, uh, I, I imagine, is probably off the left hand, right? Yes. So what what you're trying to do is, if I miss with a left hook, what yeah. I'm trying to do is grab hold of you. So it looks like I'm trying to swat you with the backhand, but I'm trying to grab you and move you out of the way so you can't attack. Right. So, so that so what we call that is control. I throw my combination and then I want to maneuver you so you can't counter me. Right. So that's all. That's what he was trying to do. It's 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 a sort of old man, old school move. If he does catch him with a backhand, can he be deducted points? You'll or be warned. Or? You'll be warned. Right. Right. Do we have anything else to add? No. It's time. It's time. It's time, people. It's time. It's time. To leave. Uh, out to Tabs and Terry. We need questions for next week, man. And we need an invite to the pool party, August twenty seventh. Not even sure they listen. They don't want to be shouting them out. No, they listen. No, they listen. Convinced. Anyone we have missed out? Any questions we've missed? I don't think we have because uh, Mike's pretty good with these sort of things. But if anyone we've missed out, apologies. We're on a rush. We're on a tight schedule to this week. So, thank but May twentieth, hit us up. We'll be yeah. down in London. If you got tickets, hit me up now. You know what I mean? Like, not, not none of the, none of that Stop VIP up. stuff. Nah, nah. I just want I want somewhere where I can stand near Chris Eubank Jr. and just chill out. Just think, you'd have Terry next. You can you can sort of milk him for knowledge all night. Well, and depending on how good looking the, you are, you might be able to milk. <laughs> 
Milking for knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Right, anyway, yeah, get in touch. Uh, And I suppose that's really you should end it. Theme music now. Now. Bye. Quick shout out to Martin McDonough. Um, They're the GB Championships. (laughs) Martin McDonough. Music's going to be playing right now. British champion, that's fantastic. But look out for a future rivalry. Martin McDonough versus Mason Smith. Probably at light welter or welterweight. Those two guys going at it will be one for the ages. Done.